Okay, my name's H Phoenix Stones. That's H, like imagine the letter H, just spell as it sounds, H-A-Y-C-H. And as I say, my surname is Phoenix Stones. That's not Felix Stones, Phoenix Stones. Phoenix like Phoenix, Arizona, and Stones like Rolling Stones. This is my first podcast. Who the hell am I and why am I in your ear holes? Well, in brief, um, this is going to be a very quick introduction. I've not done a past podcast before, hence I will be stumbling over my words. There will be some ums, there will be some ahs, there will be some messings ups. That didn't sound like the word messing up, but you know what I mean. But the reason for that is I want this to be completely unedited, authentic and genuine because I listen to a lot of podcasts, I watch a lot of videos and I consume a lot of information online and a lot of it is so edited and photoshopped and stripped back, it loses its rawness and it's lo- it, it loses its realness and it loses its um, heart. And I don't want to do that. Okay, so a little bit about me. I am a self-employed small business owner based out of the UK. Don't hold that against me. I do believe that... What I'm going to be talking about and sharing with you translates into any market anywhere across the world globally. This podcast is aimed at entrepreneurs and small business owners. I think you guys are all amazing. You drive the economy of every country that you're in. Um, You are the heart and soul of business as far as I'm concerned. And I speak to you with my hand on my heart, you know, saying I genuinely believe that because I'm a small business owner myself. I was kind of thrust into being a small business owner. It was something I always wanted to do. You know, I'd kind of dabbled in my teenage years. But, you know, you kind of hit that kind of, you hit that point in life where there's that edge of responsibility takes over and you need to be the one who's actually, you know, got the job. I, I did kind of like bounce around through a lot of jobs in my early 20s and I didn't really commit to a career till probably 29, to be honest. And I ended up doing some kind of really cool stuff within this uh, whole interwebs thing. So I have been involved in the internet since its inception back in the 90s. And predominantly either doing customer service support or selling services that help with uh, marketing online. So even though I don't have a marketing degree per se, I have been involved in the internet marketing industry in terms of SEO, search engine optimization, PPC, pay-per-click and all that kind of stuff. Like I say, since 1999-2000, so really, really early on in the evolution. Now, I had a really deep desire to kind of get back into working for myself. I've always had an entrepreneurial mindset. I used to um, recycle fishing rods as a child. Uh, When I was in my early teens, I was a market trader. So I used to make my own jewellery and sell that. And then I worked for my brother doing market trading as well, selling baby clothes, which, no. I am not even remotely interested in that. But I think if you have a genuine desire and a keenness to learn, you can sell pretty much anything. So it became very natural for me to kind of morph into a sales role. You know, over here they call it business development. And actually end up selling SEO services and PPC. Anyway, long story short, um, I had taken a break from the company I was working for down here in Brighton, doing these digital services sales. I'd taken a three, four day break chilled out with family and friends, enjoyed the summer, went back into the office to have literally a piece of paper thrust, thrust in my face to say that I was surplus to requirements. This was now the third time in the last four jobs where I'd actually been made redundant. This one, hand on heart, it wasn't my fault. I think it was a personality conflict with the new managing director. These things happen. It's not something you can foresee, but it still hurts. And it still makes you question your 
worth in terms of the job role. The thing was, I was the top seller within the company, so you know it wasn't anything that was performance related, so at least I had that to keep me warm at night, but the problem was I might not have a roof over my head to keep me warm at night, and that was a little bit more of a challenge. I didn't have anywhere to turn. I was very um, concerned that we'd only just taken a mortgage out on our apartment and everything was very reliant on my salary. Uh, my salary was two and a half times what my partner's it was at the time. So I basically went into a four day deep blue funk about this and just didn't have a clue what I was going to do or how I was going to do it. And my history as well of being in the digital side, I've always been passionate about self-development and passionate about understanding psychology and how our brains work and I have this saying that's very much mine which is a problem is just a solution upside down and I wholeheartedly believe that and I operate from a point of believing that in every area of my life. What it's done over the years is it's actually stopped me being afraid of failure because the thing is failure doesn't exist. It really really doesn't. Failure only exists if you stop trying. If it doesn't work then all, all, you're, all you're really in is a feedback process and it's like okay it didn't work because of that. And even though I went on to develop a successful business, I probably had about 70 that weren't successful, you know, these concepts and ideas that I like to try. And that's why I'm very passionate about internet marketing, this whole concept that you can try different things, you can promote different things, you can run parallel businesses next door to one another. It's really, really fascinating, very, very interesting to me. It naturally kind of triggers a passion in me, but I've just never really understood how to do it. Anyway, going back to the story... Um, after having to tell my uh, better half that I'd been made redundant just after we'd got a mortgage and seeing the absolute look of abject horror on her face and allowing myself to wallow into myself pity for four days, which I think was absolutely completely valid at the time, I had to kind of take stock of what I was doing. And if you imagine I had an angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other, the devil's going, whoa, this is bad and you should immediately go and get a job. And the angel's going, this might actually be an opportunity. This might just be the push that you needed to actually go and start your own business again. What do you think? On day two of the deep blue funk, I'd automatically gone into autopilot mode and updated my resume and started to send that out to prospective employees in the area. I'd got the experience. I'd got proof that I could do the job, so... It was just a case of how long was it going to take for me to actually get the job that was right, that was paying the right amount of money, that would give me the right opportunity. But still there was this nagging, what if? What if now is the time to actually do your own thing? And it was almost like the universe had handed me an opportunity and it took me a few days to work that out because I was scared. Because I didn't know how to run a business. I didn't know about business formation, I didn't know about tax, I didn't know about invoicing, I didn't know anything about anything like that. I was a salesperson. My job was to go in, explain, tell a story, get people engaged, hook their emotions in, tell them the price, deal with the objections, and then close the sale. That was what I did. I did it every day for years, very successfully. But also there was always that nagging thing, that nagging sensation, that little kind of seed of doubt that actually I'm making these people a lot more money than I'm getting paid even though in fairness the salesperson gets paid a lot more than most people in other jobs probably why I chose it almost definitely why I chose it anyway one of the jobs that I'd applied for came back to me and wanted to interview me and this is when I was still having this internal kind of like conflict as to whether or not I was actually going to bite the bullet and, and try and do things on my own so I went for the interview and we had a great chat and it seemed to be a match. And they were going to let me know because I was interviewing the other people. Yada, yada, yada. We all go through this. So I think even if they only 
have no other people to interview, they'll still make your way a day. It's, kind of, it's like a psychology, isn't it? Anyway, they called me the next day, offered me the job. And I was kind of like, yeah, I need to think about that. They were like, what? I was like, mm-hmm, yeah, I just need to think about it. I didn't want to BS them. I didn't want to tell them I was looking at another job. But I just needed some time to actually think this through because this kind of like idea was really taking a hold. And to be honest, the job they were offering me was good, but the basic was a lot lower than what I'd previously been on. And even though I knew I could, I could get into the rhythm of things and start to sell and then build that commission up because commission structure was very, very, very positive, it meant I was kind of going to be a little bit on the bones of my bum for a, at least six or eight weeks. But obviously, some job is better than no job. Anyway, I had a bit of an epiphany. So I went back to them and I said, hey, I do want to work for you guys, but there's a little bit of a disconnect with what you're paying versus what I need to earn. However, I think I've got a workaround for this. So what I basically suggested to them was that I was going to be a freelancer for them. So rather than having to employ me and have to pay all of my taxes, they could just retain me as a freelancer. It meant I would be reliable for my own taxes. And then they didn't even have me tied into a contract. So if for any reason things didn't work out as they should, then that wouldn't be a problem and we could shake hands and walk away as friends. So this was a really good... Sorry about that. One of the benefits of doing a podcast from the comfort of your own home is you've also got a dog in the background squeaking a squeaky toy. And what I didn't want you to hear was <coughs> going crazy in the background. So just going back to where I was, so I um, decided that I was going to position myself as a freelancer, explained all the benefits, so no tax... Uh, no longevity of contract, you don't have to pay all the extras that come with actually hiring somebody, but you get my skills and experience. And then if it doesn't work out, we can walk away as friends. In the back of my head, I still had the idea that if the business could start working, I didn't really want to be tied to an employer. So this actually did genuinely work for both of us. So, with a little bit of tweaking, a little bit of sales survey... I found myself with my first client. Yes, I was working for them full-time. Yes, I was physically going into the office. Yes, all with the exception of being on paper, I actually worked for them. But in terms of my business, it was actually a client. This then gave me the impetus to actually go and set up a business. So I chose a limited company. So again, translation across the nations, um, like an INC, like a corporate entity. It just gave me all sorts of tax benefits and it meant that my finances were protected should anything go wrong. And then I also had to learn all the other crazy stuff like accountants and bookkeeping and how to invoice and how to record everything and how to track stuff and filing systems and technology at home that was going to be able to do all of this. And could some of it be in the cloud? Could some of it be on the ground? Could some of it be in a bush? I don't know. So it was just like a little bit overwhelming. So I did a lot of research in my uh, downtime at night. And I learned very, very rapidly. And the thing is, when you throw yourself into a situation and you really commit to it, the only way you can learn is rapidly. Fast forward, six months, I have five clients. I'm no longer working for the agency. That didn't pan out. Um, my business was taking off at such a rate, it wouldn't have been fair to stay with them. Um, so I did them a great job for two or three months and then I left and pursued what became H Enterprises Limited. Five, six months, fantastic. Starting to go along great guns. I do not have any issue with people employing people. It's just not personally the, the route I choose to take in the traditional way. A lot of my business is outsourced. So I work with VAs and uh, experts over in the Philippines. 
I've also got PPC, pay-per-click experts who have dotted around the UK, over in uh, the States, and also over in Europe as well, and what, even one in Australasia. Now, these guys work on a freelance basis, so they are free, kind of like I did when I started, if you think about it. So they are free to work for other employees, but I normally give them so much work that they're pretty much almost exclusively working for me. It just means I don't have the headache of all the paperwork and the tax and everything else that goes with it, that we all work together in a very synergistic way. And it's just a great way of growing your business. For me, anyway, it made total sense. The downside was there was only me doing the customer-facing bit. And I think some of it, not necessarily arrogance, but there's a lack of confidence in finding somebody else to do what you do. I know when I first went back into digital marketing and sales role, speaking to my old boss, uh, Gina, and she'd been desperately trying to find somebody to do what I did for about three years. And they'd, you know, tried time and time and time again to find somebody who just got it. So I knew that that was always going to be a challenge to find somebody who just got it in the way I did. And I thought, well, you know, to be fair, the sales side is what I really thrive on doing. That whole client-facing piece is where I'm really strong. So I was really the face of the company. And to some degree, I was doing a lot of the administration, you know, filtering it down into the various freelancers who worked under the umbrella of Page Enterprises and then actually delivering the results. Now, that was fine. Five or six clients not worked perfectly but as time went on and I became more confident in my delivery and the team really started to gel and the results were really kind of quite good to say the least and I was positioning myself very much as an expert within the market and actually doing able to get you real tangible results in this really weird online space where everybody needs to be and you need to be there in an effective way and that's still the case today whether it's a website or a funnel or whatever you still need a presence online Word got out, and I had the massive benefit of getting some fantastic referrals from a lot of the amazing clients that I had then. And we grew, and we grew, and we grew. And around about the two, two and a half year point, I was dealing with a, a six-figure a business, a six-figure a year business, which was an amazing situation to be in. I was confident, I was walking on top of the world, you know, it was amazing. We could put money into the, put money into the home. You know, it's probably the first time in my life that I, the financial worries were clear. The downside was I was working at minimum 14 hours a day, most days 18 hours. What I'd essentially done is I'd exchanged a job, I just over broke, to work in my business with an even more intense job. I wasn't self-employed in the way of being a business owner, I was just working within my business and I was hitting breaking point really, really fast. Now, some personal stuff kind of, like, amplified everything. Um, my father was very ill, and I found out um, through trying to validate how ill he was that he was end of life. And that was, you know, it was horrific. It wasn't unexpected, but even so, you know, dealing with the death of anybody, um, you know, a child or a parent has got to be the worst thing that you go through. You know what they say about life, nobody gets out alive, but it doesn't really resonate with you. I've been very, very fortunate in my life. I hadn't really lost anybody. So when my dad went, even though I knew it was coming and inevitable, and he, to some extent he was somewhat of a medical marvel and was living in unborrowed time, it still hit home. And we kind of had to wait for five days for the medication and everything to kind of like ease his way. So, you know, sitting and watching a parent pass away is really hard to do. And my mum took it really hard. 
And this was back in September 2017. Um, my dad was, well, August 2017, I should say, sorry. My dad was one week away from his 80th birthday, so he had a good innings. And my mum took it really, really hard. They'd been married for 50 years, so, you know, even though he was, his health had waned and he was, you know, in a full-time care home, she literally was five minutes away from him. They didn't spend time apart. And, uh, Unfortunately, that yeah, they say they say broken hearts kill, and I never really believed that. But she was rushed into hospital with um, with this kind of like water retention on the legs or water swelling on the legs. Her legs were basically leaking fluid. It was crazy, and she'd had the issue for a, probably a month after my dad passed away. So over Christmas they took her in and they just wanted to keep an eye on her in the hospital and get her checked over. And I remember ringing her up, I think it was, I think it was Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, just saying, hey, how's my mum, can I chat to her? And then I was going, no, nah, no, nah, she's fine, she's going to go home in a week. But what we do want to do is we want to make sure that she's got the medication and she's got the help that she needs. And I'm like, well, can I speak to her? And they're like, no, no, we're too busy. You know, and I respect nurses and doctors, they have a hard task to do. So I wasn't going to, you know, really browbeat them about them. With hindsight, it's probably going to be one of the biggest regrets I carry with me. Because a week later, we had a notification. I just got back from um, Edinburgh at Hogmanay, celebrating New Year. And knowing she was in hospital, all the celebrations were somewhat muted anyway. But when I got back on the second, my sister-in-law called me and said, oh, your mum's had a massive stroke. Anyway, so we went to the hospital and found out that, you know, the stroke had been really, really severe and it was extremely unlikely she was going to recover consciousness. There'd been bleeds on the brain and all sorts of complications and we had another four days of sitting by her bedside waiting for the inevitable to happen so I had to deal with the passing of two parents in less than six months and having to watch them go through the final stages of you know life end of life so horrible that sent me into a flat spin um, I think when you haven't had grief before your body processes it and deals with it in different ways and my mind went on a little bit of a vacation, didn't really want to focus on work. And that had an impact on the business, massive impact. You know, people don't care what's going on in your personal life. They only care about, you know, what are the results that are getting delivered. And I didn't want to speak with clients and I didn't want to have to deal with mundane questions because I was dealing with this kind of existential crisis. And you don't really want to speak about it because you don't want to bore people. And I hope I'm not boring you now and I will go past this, but I promise you, don't shut off. <laughs> Anyway, that had a knock-on effect, and I lost four major clients in very, very quick successions. And we're talking within days. And then to compound it, um, one of my one of my very, very favourite clients, um, I didn't actually know had a mental health issue, and she unfortunately committed suicide, and, and then so I lost that client as well. So there was a whole mess, and suddenly I'd gone from a six-figure business down into a, yeah, if I'm very, very lucky, a four-figure business. If I get off my ass and sort this out really damn quickly. And this was another one of those moments where you take a big old step back and it's just like, I don't know if I want to be doing this. Genuinely, I don't know if I want to get back into kind of like scurrying around and getting new clients in the door. And I know I can do that because I've done it before. And rebuilding the business to the point where I'm working 18 hours a day, seven days a week and not having any work-life balance. And you know, I hate phrases like work-life balance, and it's just like, you know, it's a life balance. Work should be something that's there. And I've always been a fan of that phrase, that if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. And yet, I hate enterprises had really become work again. 
I was resenting it. Now, do not get me wrong. A business has my name on it, it has my reputation on it, and I love the business as an entity. But I needed to change how I worked within the business for myself. So, I rebuilt the client base to some, something towards a comfortable level. It's not six figures. It probably never will be. Again. It can be. I could probably do that within, realistically, three to six months. But I decided to have a change of psychological direction. And because of my involvement with the interwebs, like I say, since back in the 90s, I had seen this kind of evolution of internet marketing. And believe me, I have tried to get my finger in that particular pie on more than one occasion. And it's just something I've never really been able to grasp. I kind of understand affiliate marketing, but I don't really know how to do it. I don't know how they're doing it. You know, when I explain search engine optimization to some people, it's like uncovering all the black arts. And I do, I explain it in a way that anybody can understand, because I think as soon as you get techno babble in the way and jargon, it's a massive barrier to communication. And to my mind, it tends to make you think that the person's being a little bit deceptive. And I found the same with affiliate marketing and internet marketing. Yeah, these guys are making info products and selling them online and then they're creating courses to show you how to do it. But there's a whole big gaps, huge ones missing in the information. And it just doesn't add up. And that frustrated the hell out of me. And it has done for years. So fast forward to now. I have created not one but two five-figure businesses, one six-figure business that's now become a five-figure business, and one five-figure business that's going to probably become a six-figure business that I'm not actively involved with in the health and wellness sector. But I'm kind of parking that and somebody else is running it. So I know my stuff. I also know now, when I go and speak to clients about search engine optimization and pay-per-click and all the online stuff, that most of my conversations are revolving around, that's great, but if I send you a million visitors tomorrow... Would that have an actual impact on the bottom line of your revenue? And most of them say no, because they don't understand things like how to convert a visitor, get them to take their wallet out, spend some money and become a customer. And that's about any business. And I've actually realised over the last six months or so that I'm actually really good at that. Because of my history and because of my 25 years on um, ex experience online, I can look at things in a very objective way and a very objective way and go, okay, it's not just about online where you need to be focusing. It's about telling the stories. It's about the client relationship. It's about building bridges with your clients. It's about understanding what their pain points are. It's about tracking in and triggering emotions. And you know what? That's the same for any business. So what I've done is I have committed to doing a training programme where hopefully I'm going to unravel the mysteries of this direct marketing that the affiliate marketers and the internet marketers do. I know they, they use those names interchangeably. But I'm talking about the guys who stood there in front of their Lamborghinis that they've probably rented, saying, this is my life, I earn $50 billion an hour doing this, and if you buy my course, you can learn how to do it too, because I think that's all BS and I will call them out on BS. However, I found one person, and I could be completely wrong, I could be shooting myself in the foot or even in the face, and saying that I'm following something that could just be another scam, but I have a feeling it's not, because there's a bit more of a structure and a bit more of a strategy around it. 
So I've invested a huge amount of money, a whole hundred dollar bill, into doing something called the One Funnel Away Challenge. Now, this is a piece of software that basically designs all this affiliate marketing stuff for you. It's, you know, it's a funnel. Now, I don't want to get into too much about what a funnel is. But what I'm going to say is, part of this is getting you into the mindset of a publisher. And I do that because I've got, I've got other blogs with businesses, and I'll get to that at another point. Because I've, as I say, two successful businesses, but probably at least 75 to 100 failed ideas. Like all sorts of crazy things as well. I will, I will tell you some of those stories as well. Not now. So this is a journey. Which, you're invited to come along. It's going to be no holds barred. It's going to be honest. It's going to tell you the failures. It's going to tell you the successes. It's going to tell you the stories, the frustrations, everything. Honestly, openly, and in black and white. And throughout it, I'm also going to include everything I'm learning about 10xing small businesses. Because it's my passion. I genuinely want to help any business who wants to grow be able to do that. Yes, the internet for... 99% of businesses has to be involved in it, but it's not just about that. It's about the strategies and the tactics and the techniques that you use around it. It's about the other stuff. The lead generation, the revenue growth, the marketing. This stuff I all know. But I want to be able to translate it in a way that makes total sense for you. Not in a just high level, I'm not going to give you the full story kind of run-of-the-mill rubbish. I want to actually give you real tangible solutions. But first, what I want to do is I want to invite you to join me on this journey, this one from away challenge. I am committing to you right now that as a minimum, I'm going to be doing one podcast per day because I have a voice for podcasts and probably a voice for TV as well, though I may morph into doing some video stuff in the future. But for now, podcasts is where I'm comfortable. So every single day, I'm going to guide you on my journey, tell you what I've been doing, Tell you what's worked, what hasn't worked. Tell you a little bit more about me so you get to know me. And I hope it's helpful. And I will, I promise you, show you techniques and strategies, and mindsets, and all those kind of cool things that people charge a lot of money for. But I'm going to show you how putting these things together is going to help you 10x your business as well. So journey first, and then we'll get to the 10x stuff. And hopefully there's going to be some real serious gold nuggets of information that you're going to benefit from. Chat tomorrow.